one. Welcome to a special uh, dual promote promotion episode uh, here. It's between the Grip Strip podcast and Everything F1, mainly because the person that runs the Grip Strip podcast, that's me, Philip Matthew, is with one of the main people that's part of Everything F1, and that's Tom Downey. What's going on, mate? <laughs> Hi, Phil. I'm very well. How are you, mate? Uh, we're chilling here, um, going on both sides of the pond. We're doing the uncensored F1 uh, recap of 22 season before we lead into uh, the second half of the year where Max Verstappen will win his uh, first legitimate world championship. No, um, second, but... It's a, it's a second world championship on paper, and uh, so... Um, he'll win that and he'll probably win next week. Uh, but I'll be more interested in what's happening behind, you know, like how Ferrari will fuck up and how um, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell will be building up with the Mercedes crew now that they're not as busy with Formula E bullshit since um, Stoffel Van Dorn won them another world championship. Um, and Susie Wolf isn't busy being a team principal. She can go and be back to being um, Toto's massage woman. Uh, but um, with that, I mean, there's the the reality is for us, we we didn't know each other until we got on Grid Talk. So thanks to George and everybody there, um, you know. And then because if it wasn't for Grid Talk, a lot of there's a lot of great people in that group, and we wouldn't have met, uh, and then we wouldn't have been able to have conversations and talk about not just racing but life. And I think it's cool how. It's the positive thing about motorsports where I can be here in the U.S. and New Jersey and you can be in England and we can you have a passion for Formula One and motorsport. And I have that same passion for motorsport and we're able to come together because we have that. And um, it's a platform that's been good. It has brought I mean, obviously, we see the good and the bad. It's just life, unfortunately, how effed up life is. But um we're two of the people that really just don't give a fuck and i think that's what makes us unique amongst the group plenty of very plenty of people that are very nice and cool and uh, honest and yeah. funny and they they you get some eye candy you get some not so eye candy like us and then you go yep. and um you know you get unfiltered you get filtered you get um you get people who are dads like george you get people who are definitely not going to be dads or people who really shouldn't be like me um you know it, it all balances out it's it's kind of what it's a it's a small uh microcosm of this f1 fandom that a lot of us haven't been affected by drive to survive either which also helps because we're real f1 fans i guess that's a whole other distinction we should get into but i'll let you talk i've been talking for a couple minutes here yeah thanks phil yeah one thing i want to pick up on is you said i'm over here in england i'm not in england i'm in wales um sorry <laughs> which uh which which to uh which yeah which to which to someone like yourself that'd be like me saying you're in canada um that's that's probably the easiest uh probably the easiest distinction i could make i i, but, I wouldn't mind it's nice over there <laughs> yeah no that's fair enough yeah no it's uh no yeah no i just want to echo everything that you just said you know we um uh you, you know, we met through such a unique um yeah a, a, a unique is the word i'd use walk of life where one day we just you know we, we ended up on a podcast together and you're sort of five six hours behind and you know obviously we we have we have differing opinions of who our of who our favorite drivers are obviously um but we also share some similar opinions in the latifi is shit and um and uh and yeah it's just you know it's, it's funny how 
sort of like in, in a world where everything feels so toxic, we've uh, we've got this we've got this little nugget of uh, of something good, and it's um and yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a sort of slightly more uncensored one because I do censor myself when I'm on Grid Talk because you know we, we have quite a diverse audience, you have lots of young people listening, and you know I don't want to get caught effing and blinding due to monetization reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, and I, I do have some, you know, some sometimes interesting opinions and perhaps some interesting ways to describe me things, which some people have picked up on. So yeah, um, hopefully, as we get more into it, more of these things will start sort of flowing out. Yeah, I mean, there, it's this is the first of many, hopefully many. Uh, it's we the way that Formula One schedule is, they're expanding it these days, and it's getting longer and longer. It's almost akin to NASCAR schedule, um, but it's going all over the world, so it's really not um, really logical, um, and uh, it's going to become an issue, I think, over time. But um, it also gives us opportunities to kind of do some of these off the wall um, episodes here. I mean, the re- the the reality is, I think we we just said we're just going to go and have a conversation, and fundamentally yeah. the. We could go either way. We could go on the Latifi is shit um, argument. And I already was kind of thinking of something on that. And we could leave your boy last but not least. And I think that would be the way to do it because he will be the world champion this year. Um, They are going to win the Constructors' Championship this year. I think at the end of the day, it it probably is respect to um, them even though in my mind, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I'll leave that alone for what I was about to say, because we can go and start with Williams, uh, the great uh, legendary team that once upon a time housed world champions on a regular basis, like... Uh, like, like Nigel Mansell and... Nigel. Oh, obviously, the ill-fated state with Ayrton Senna and uh, you know, Damon Hill. I mean, I know he wasn't a champion when he was at... Oh, no, no, of course he was. No, he 96. Was, 96, yeah. Shaq um, Villeneuve. Um, yeah, and, uh, 97 was Damon and, Hill and after Damon Hill and um, you know uh, there's you know PK that racist prick and then um, KK Rosberg who raised the tool um, you know the great Alan Jones uh, first Australian Formula One world champion um, became great sportsman and statesman for the country as he went on, drove for drove V8 supercars and the like over the upcoming years. Drove for Haas, not Gene Haas, Carl Haas, Haas in F1 yeah. uh, in the Lola Ford uh, before he retired from open wheel racing. Uh, Williams over the years used to be that team, and I when I first started watching, they were it was them, and then a certain M. Schumacher came along. And um, kind of um, interrupted tore, that whole tore thing it up. Uh, with Benetton, which through about 18 different remakes is now Alpine. Um, but uh, he started there and went off to the Scuderia and redid everything. But in that time, Williams was the team, Williams Renault. And they had, you know, Canon, they had uh, Camel sponsorship, then they had the Rothman sponsorship. That Elf. Yeah, the, Elf the, with the French the fuel. You know, fuel. Yeah, and then yeah. they had um, they had um, Winfield cigarettes, which I don't ever remember seeing them here. I think that's a British um, tobacco brand. I would assume. I don't know. I never remember Winfield, it's, but it's probably a bit before my time because I wasn't yeah. born until nineteen ninety four. So yeah, no, it was that. Yeah, that was in the late nineties. So you're a young buck. I was uh, a. Yeah. I was 
I was in middle school around that time, getting into high school when Williams started sucking. And then uh, they got the BMW program and they had the compact car, which looked like the old Bradlams, which is where I kind of went back and started rooting for them because I became, I was Juan Pablo Montoya guy. And yeah. um, he was one of the only people that didn't give a crap about Michael Schumacher. He's like, oh, he didn't see me. I, I Oh, I can't even believe it. Yeah, that's that's just like impossible. I'm like, if you if you couldn't see me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's Juan Pablo Montoya. That's why people like him here. He's loved. He's beloved in multiple levels because he has no filter, but the yeah. guy can bring it. And he can still bring it at like whatever, 50 years old or whatever the hell he is now. He's been mm-hmm. doing it, it for me with Juan Pablo Montoya. It goes way back from when I first started watching racing. And he ran in a low, in, an, in a regional series here in the United States called the Barber Saab Championship, a little open wheel category. So you can imagine it's a Saab engine, so it's a piece of shit. But then it was in, but he drove with other guys that actually became decent drivers and whatever. But he was the guy. He was the fastest guy. I'm like, who's this Juan Pablo Montoya? And then little did we know that he was going to be a guy who world-renowned, won in multiple types of racing, and is still racing now with his son um, in the LMP2 category here in IMSA. Um, You know, I'm surprised that some of these factories haven't given him a call because he is a IMSA champion, won for Acura, uh, for Penske. And so... The point we're trying to make is Williams at one point was the team that you wanted to be at. And they used to be a team that had great race car drivers. I mean, we could say whatever about Alex Albon, but the guy that they have in their second seat, probably until the end of this year, I think he's going to be replaced. Uh, oh, yeah, Nicholas Satifi uh, is a nice guy. Steph Wentworth used to be a guest here before she became big time and got on TV and other media conglomerates. Uh, she um, loved Nicholas Latifi, but he sucks. Uh, and um, I mean, the, the reality of the world is I think uh, Callum Eilat needs a teammate at Junkos Hollander in the IndyCar series. They're looking to expand to a two-car team. And I think Nicholas Latifi, whether it's there or Formula E, has probably got options. I think if you're an LMP2 and you have as much money as he has, he could go and get into an LMP seat if you really wanted to as well. So it's not like he's going to be screwed and he's going to be bad off. He can go and make plenty of Lavazza coffee, Tom, and I think he'd be okay. Um, but to be yeah, honest, he, he sucks. Yeah, he, he's he'll get a seat somewhere. You know, he'll he'll get a seat. At, you know, I, you know, I think Formula might be a decent shout, um, or you know, you know, maybe you know, maybe he goes over to you know IndyCar or. You know, someone like that, something a bit less, but he can sort of just get his head down, just because you know, he'll carry. Obviously, he carries a lot of sponsorship with him wherever he goes. You know, and his dad obviously takes a lot of money. Um, I mean, his his dad's a part owner in, in McLaren Group, so you know, so maybe maybe he, he ends up there. Yeah, you know, but maybe he ends up in something like that. McLaren is it extreme e the the like electric SUV off roading stuff, which possibly they have drivers. In? They have a team already. Uh... Un, not, uh, McLaren have got people everywhere. You, you know, yeah. you're, you're not too dissimilar from the whole Oscar Piastri Alpine thing. You know, they had the thing with Alex Pelot, where Chip Ganassi announced him, and McLaren announced him. It's like, well, what the fuck? You know, am I racing here? Am I racing there? It became kind of it became a thing that everybody said we were signed by McLaren and Zach Brown. Um, yeah. I I made that reference. I think there's other people I made that reference over the last couple of months since the whole Pelot thing came up. Then Oscar Piastri came up too. 
Um, we still have Felix Rosenquist in the lurch. Um, he's oh, yeah. another one. Um, there's so we don't know. We don't really know who. I think for sure we know Paddle Award has an IndyCar deal and a testing development contract with McLaren for Formula One. One, yeah. Alexander Rossi has a contract for IndyCar. Uh, Colton Herta has a Formula One developmental testing contract for McLaren, and those are that's just IndyCar. You have Rosenquist who might go one of two places. You have Pelo who doesn't know where he's going to go. You have Oscar Piastri who's probably going to replace Daniel Ricciardo, which will be its own interesting discussion here in a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, Lando Norris is their number one driver. I he's think. not going anywhere. And they they basically are going to build around him, but I think they're trying to solidify their team and basically say, okay, this is going to be our team. We're going to build around these two guys. And this is how we're going to get ourselves back, akin to what Williams would like to do, um, but may not ever get there. Um, part, but part of the reason why Andretti isn't being allowed to get into Formula One is because of the likes of Doralton, the likes of Sauber do not want a team that could have a little bit more support and uh, structure and also getting Alpine uh, support as an engine supplier could be an issue in regards to the monies they're going to get too. I just I struggle to see how Williams are going to even improve because last year they were actually beginning to make some good progress. Yeah. They seen the, uh, it was either 2021 or 2020 they changed their car their car's design philosophy where it went from uh, a low rake to a high rake. Um I you know I part of me also say 2021 because we had the regulation change. I can't remember it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um but um but it's just it just seems to have gone backwards. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I know we had, obviously we had new regulation changes come in for this year that was supposed to be last year. And, you know, some some teams have taken them, taken some like a duck to water, like Ferrari, although, this, although the strategy is still stuck in probably 1942 or something. Yeah. Um, you know, they just they just seem to implode at every given opportunity, which we'll get into. Um, as for... Uh, you know, just the 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 first, yeah. Um, sorry, Williams. They're just, I don't know. They're just they're just struggling to, just struggling to just struggling to improve. Period. Yeah, and it's it's sad. You know, I'm a little older. I I generally run older than most of the crew on Grid Talk, and um, and even with my co-host Josh on on uh, Grip Strip. Uh, I got at least 10 years on them. And uh, I remember the end of the heyday with Williams when they were the team, you know, and yeah. they had active, they, they had the active suspension. There was a time I remember just, when Nigel moved and essentially replaced Michael Andretti in cart and Michael moved to formula one with the whole nightmare McLaren scenario. And then they signed Alan Prost to drive the Williams and Damon Hill became the number two driver and that car after three races was not looking the greatest. And then it just won everything after that, um, you know, and they won the world championship and it was dominating and it was easy. Um, I remember yeah. those days. That was my first full year watching formula one. Um, I was a Senna guy. I'll always be a Senna guy for life. And mm. that was um, rough year, but he was, I, it wasn't a rough year for him in the sense that he was getting million dollars a race. Um, even though the car was a piece of shit, um, he drove it really good. 
Um, he won five races in that thing and finished second in the world championship in a car that probably didn't belong there. Um, probably getting to somebody that uh, could do the same kind of thing here in the second half of the season. But, um, you know, Williams has dropped, and I guess we'll bring an Albon into this. Albon has been driven through the Red Bull ringer. Um, you are a Red Bull guy, um, yeah. mainly with Max. But Max isn't a Red Bull development driver. He was a Mercedes guy that, because they weren't going to give him the opportunity to move up as quickly, his Red Bull was willing to give him that opportunity at, what, 16, 17 years old to run in Formula One, and he moved there. And it has become a very fruitful, beneficial partnership. Um, They essentially stemmed the tide of the leaking oil that is the Red Bull driver development program. Um, While they weren't at the positive, they weren't in a positive state where outside of Daniel Ricciardo, where they didn't really have drivers that were ready, but they hurried them up. And then basically because of one-eyed Marco and and Toast and, and that, that knob um, Christian Horner um, basically ran guys like Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly insert, I think half of formula E and like a quarter of, of LMP sports cars um, into the abyss. And um, you know, like Alex Albon this year has done really good relative to what he's got. And I don't think he's going to leave the grid now. I think he's going to be there for a little while because Red Bull wants him out there. But what is the end game for him? Is he going back to Tor to Alpha Tori because they're going to get rid of Yuki Sonoda after next year? What is what is the end game? Because Williams doesn't, in the end, really need the Red Bull driver development. They have a perfectly fine driver development program well, they have a guy yeah. in Formula well, Two that's ready or could be ready and could do essentially the same crap that, that we've got going on with that team right now. You have a woman who, who knows, we can get into that with Jamie Chadwick and how good she really is. But if Formula One wants a woman, that's an option. And then you have, they have Zach O'Sullivan. I think they have a couple of guys in like F3, F4. They have driver development that they'd be better off just doing that. If they're going to suck, be a development hub. It's kind of like how they do in MotoGP and in other series. And even in, in Premier League, where um, there are teams that are just meant to go and have build up group players, give them the time in the top level, yeah. and then the bigger teams sign them. Well, you know, Williams, right, and to, and to, to an extent, Aston Martin, because obviously they're all Mercedes powered, all Mercedes customer teams. You know, I always thought this about Williams when they started to get a bit shit sort of around 2017. You know, 2017, they were still all right, but I think Bottas and Massa perhaps outdrove the car. No when Stroll came in in 2018, it was like, oh, so this is what we've got. Um, oh no, sorry, 2017 Stroll came in. My bad. Um, for sure how long he's been around. He's just like he's just like he's another one. Yeah, he's yeah, it's it's just the Canadians. When you see him together on the track, you just hide behind the sofa and fear them crashing into each other like they did in Melbourne. Um, you know, it's just uh, you know, maybe they got you know, I don't know, maybe they put maple syrup instead of engine oil in, I don't know. Um, but it's um you know, they're just yeah, it's just you know that that Williams has just been a bit. It's, it's, they've been crap since 2018. 
And I know Seoul got a podium in Azerbaijan in 2017 or 2018. Yeah. And I know he started on the second row in Monza in 2017 when it was hammered down with rain. But that's because half the field had engine penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, I think so, he started on the outside of the front row that race. Yeah, I, I'm sure he started P2, a net P2. And then um, he started on the front row in in an in a in a whatever pink uh, pink Mercedes on no, that in restart Turkey, in, in Turkey in twenty started on, on pole. pole. Yeah, yeah, I remember that uh, on the restart at Monza when uh, Lewis went and made the mistake. No, when uh, he pitted when the yeah pit lane when was the shut. pit lane was closed and when they did the restart, he was on the front row when Pierre Gasly ended up passing him and winning the Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, that was a good day, though. That was a good day. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a... The, the, yeah, the, the Williams is just... Oh, it's mate, just they, bad. They, they, yeah, it is. It's just bad. And, you know, I, I know, you know, obviously we, we've just spent like 20 minutes, if not longer, waxing lyrical about um, about their previous drivers and all their, and all their history. History doesn't mean shit in today's world. You know, Formula One is very different to what it was then. If you think about where Formula One was 10 years ago, it was 10 years ago Williams won their last race with Pastor Maldonado at Barcelona. You know, and if you think about what the sport was like, if you think back to that season, what the cars like, what the engines were like, what the safety was like, we had no halo. You know, hands hadn't been around that long. Um, you know, we, we still had the V8s. You know, we, we, we had the, you know, we had the sort of, we had the sort of skinny rear wing era, which mm-hmm. when you look back on them now, they just look like they look like toy cars. Yeah. Um, especially compared to the sort of 2017 to 2021 cars. Um, so yeah, so it's a uh, Williams, yeah, they just need to even if they, you know, just for like sort of like a decade or so, if if they have if they have perhaps an agreement with Mercedes that, you know, if Mercedes Junior drivers you know, sit in the Williams for a couple of years, like George Russell did. Yep. Um, you know, this is kind of thing that could have saved Manor Racing back in 2017 as well, because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Esteban Ocon started with them when he replaced Rio Harianto. Um, uh, yeah, 2016, I think that was, if I didn't yeah. say that already. Um, you know, Williams, they just, they can't live off the history. And yes, it's great to look back at what they achieved, but F1, you have to be looking a year, 18 months, two years ahead. Because, you know, people might think that teams go, oh, the, oh this, this season's done, you know, the team's relaxed. For anything, when the season's done, that's when the, that's when the teams really ramp up. Yeah. It's, like there's, it's like there's the old story of Fernando Alonso wanting people to come in on New Year's Day. Because he, I think when he was at Renault, maybe Ferrari, I can't remember, because he wanted to get the development going. You know, so Williams can't afford to be, like, looking, you know, they can't afford to be looking behind them, you know, or sort of like thinking, oh, remember in 1997 when Damon Hill won and, and you know, you know, think back to when, you know, when Nigel Mansell won and, and, and all the rest of it. You know, it's just, they're a name that is synonymous with F1 and to see them at the back of the grid is a crying shame. Yeah. But they, 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 need, they, they need to accept that they're shit and that they need to do something different and they need mm-hmm. to be, they need to be in a different state of mind. You know, they can't be thinking, oh, you know, in a couple of years we want to be challenging for wins and titles on the rest. Of it. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not, not in it, their current state. It, 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 no, it's not going to happen. And maybe with the engine change in twenty twenty six, we might see something. But I think over the next few years, they just need to be a sort of breeding ground for Mercedes because Mercedes haven't got any junior drivers. 
and Hamilton's not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. And Mercedes are going to run into the issue that Red Bull had a few years ago and the Ferrari have got at the moment, which is where they've got so many drivers and then they've got enough seats. And so, you know, you know, so, so, you know, so, so you know, um, yeah, Williams just, they just, it's disappointing to see because it's, uh, you know, even as a sort of like you know, relatively young kid, you know, and then, you know, when I started to get sort of about like nine, ten. I remember when we at my parents' house at the minute when we moved into this house. I remember I had a PlayStation Two, and I had I think it might still be upstairs actually the old Williams F1 style steering wheel because I was playing Gran Turismo. Oh wow! And, and yeah, and it's um and it had the you know it had the you know the gear shift paddles there, it had the clutch paddles down there or whichever way around they are, and it had the rev counter you know you know and it had the big big BMW logo and it had the Williams logo. And it's um, you know, it's, it's you know, it's things like that. And I wonder if that's why I like BMW roadcars because I'm on my fourth at the moment. Ah. And and you know, you know, it's just, you know, there's a part of it which is just like, you know, you know, it's just, you know, I I associate sort of like that era of F1 with you know when I was young, and that and that is sort of like my early, one of my early memories of Formula One. So it's it'll take something monumental. And for things outside of their control to change for them to go back up to the top. And I think they just need to accept that it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen initially. I think with the push of, of what do you call um, Liberty and other things, I think Logan Sargent, who was so close to going to IndyCar and being in the 14 car and having the same kind of nightmare scenario that Kyle Kirkwood has had this year. Uh, people don't understand how close that that was to happening, but Williams came in and he's done a good enough job, top five in the uh, in the points right now. Um, he drove for Sharus in F3 last year, which is a terrible team, and brought them up and made them relevant. Um, he was so close to winning F3 the year before that, and then everybody else that was around him essentially either went to F2 or got something going on for them, and he was the one left holding the bag. Uh, he's the guy that if they really want to get some relevance, if they're going to suck, they're going to suck. But go and have Alexander Albon as your veteran. You have Logan Sargent, grind. It's not going to be pretty. But the fact is, for TV sake, for because they've signed a new deal, ESPN paid a lot of money to um, Sky to um, keep the current uh, setup that they have um, for the races and all that and qualifying and whatnot. So that's a piece. It's a start. If Logan Sargent shows potential over time, who knows what can come in in due time uh, in Formula One as the years go on. Uh, that, I think, is the way they have to go. Now, one team that isn't going that way, at least initially, is Aston Martin. Um, we started in on Stroll. I've, I I am guilty of, well, not guilty of, I, I basically say Stroll's a piece of shit, and I say it a lot because he is. Um, his dad's a cocksucker, um, and so is Lance. And um, Connor Moore does a great job of impersonating both of them. And um, he's been a mediocrity in Formula One more or less his entire time. Yes, he has a couple of podiums, a pole, whatever. Um, but his arrogance... His arrogance relative to his actual ability is something that just it's laughable. Um, yeah, uh, and and it's it's like I get it. Like it's almost like he watched Jacques Villeneuve and thinks he's Jacques Villeneuve. Except when Jacques Villeneuve was at his peak, he legitimately was one of the best drivers in the world. He had a yeah. four-year stretch 
from 1994 to 97 when he won the IndyCar Rookie of the Year, finished second in the Indianapolis 500. In 95, he won the IndyCar Championship and won the Indianapolis 500. In 96, he won the Formula One Rookie of the Year and probably could have beat Damon Hill if they didn't want Damon, of course, to win. And I mean, I'm a, and I'm saying this as somebody who rooted for Damon Hill. Jacques was better by the end of the year. In 97, he beats Ferrari because Michael Schumacher decided he was going to run over him the way he tried to run over Damon Hill at, at in Adelaide. Adelaide, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he did the same thing to Jacques Villeneuve, except he destroyed his car and he got um, essentially thrown out of the championship. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve ends up winning that race. In turn, he essentially turns around the McLaren scenario because David Coulthard is told to pull over for Mika Hakkinen, which ended up giving Mika Hakkinen his first career Formula One win. Um, that 97 Jerez race when, and then and three, what is it? Uh, was it Jacques Villeneuve, Heinz Harold Frentz, and Michael Schumacher all had the same qualifying time. time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that is one insane race. I miss Jerez because that was a good, that's a way better track than Catalonia ever will be. Um, it's a better motorcycle track than Catalonia ever will be, um, but we still go to Catalonia. But I don't know. That's beside the point. When it comes to, it, it speaks to, you know, El Plan deciding to take over for um, uh, Sebastian Vettel. And it's weird uh, because there's not much, Tom, that I've seen that makes me think that Aston Martin, they got rid of their Valkyrie hypercar program that I think would have made sense that, okay, he wants to be a, you know, statesman. He wants to eventually go to the sports car thing. I think that's part of what they told Vettel, but then that kind of went away. And then on top of it, Vettel's become environmental guy. And I think he's just kind of gotten sick and tired of the way Formula One is, and he doesn't want to be there anymore. And not being competitive doesn't help when you're a four-time world champion. A champion, yeah. I've got to be honest. I think Vettel's just fallen out of love with Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, I think he, he was sold the dream of... Uh, of of us of um Aston Martin because obviously they were racing point at the time and if you look you know when Vettel obviously agreed to join them during the 2020 season when he was having that dog shit year at Ferrari um Ferrari was just awful you know they got knocked out in Q1 I think in Belgium or might have just made a huge Q2 I can't remember but mm. anyway they they were shit that year yeah really shit um and then um and then you know you, you had Force India racing point or pink whoever whatever they would whatever do it tracing point tracing whatever. point yeah or the pink mercedes or whatever yeah when they were uh doing pretty well and obviously you know stroll got you know stroll got pole position that year perez got his first win at secure at the end of the year and it's just like you know so so as far as that was concerned he's probably thinking i've struck gold here you know you know the you know um called on the silverstone team because a bit like alpine etc they're the endstone team um, you know, I think Vettel was probably thinking um, effectively, like, you know, next year I'm going to be back up there, you know, I'm going to be battling for podiums. And yeah, he got a podium in Baku in the Hudson in Hungary before he got disqualified for the fuel irregularity, um, which is a bit of a piss take, but rules are rules. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, you know, but then this year they've just been, oh, they've just been awful this year. And mm-hmm. he's, he's fallen out of love with F1. Makes me wonder what on earth are they paying Fernando Alonso to get him to go there? Because, but also Alonso was king of doing shocking career moves. Yeah, you know, you know, when when he signed for McLaren, 
when he still had another year on his Renault contract and won another World Championship than in 2006. Went to McLaren in 2007, got done by Lewis, and then you know, you know, had had a had a shit fit at Hungary, and yeah. wouldn't let wouldn't let you know all that stuff, and then you always, you know, you know, almost got what? Well, no, he did get beaten by Lewis that year. Then no, they went, tied. They oh, tied. of course they tied. Yeah, yeah, because Ron Dennis didn't call Lewis in one lap. Uh, he whatever it was Lewis out on a, at the Chinese Grand Prix, made his tires slick. He spins out into the freaking random Gravel. sand trap. And the pit entry because yeah. Ron Dennis is a he's another one. Uh, he's another moron. I mean, the, between the way he handled, it's like he handled Senna Prost the way he did, and essentially he allowed to have Senna Prost 2.0 in a much lighter form. And in the process, not only gave away the drivers' championship, they gave away the constructors, and then they got well, they got they thrown got, out, didn't they? And then they got thrown out because of Nigel Stepney. So they, it's like at that point. Ron Dennis should have not been allowed to run that team anymore. Yeah. But then he not only got, he was allowed to do that. They went and bought Honda back and then Honda and them shit the bed. And, and it, it's like, oh, yeah. it's like I don't know. Yeah. And, and then we had two years of what McLaren Renault or something. Yeah. In 2018. Yeah. And then you know, 2019. And But that's where they were able to bring in Lando and kind of build them up. Yeah. Uh, which in its own right, I guess is good. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, side note, interesting fact about Nigel Stepney, and I don't know how I know this, but I do. Um, he was killed in an accident on a British motorway in in a, in a county called Surrey. He was, oh yeah, um, in Surrey. Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know if it was suicide or what, but he was. Uh, I'm sure I read he was broken down at the side of the road and he got hit by a lorry or something, and he was killed. Oh God. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, yeah. So you know, yeah, it's a pretty horrible end. Um, that, that was some years ago as well. Um. So yeah, I, I I don't know why I know that. Um, I must have read it somewhere once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, no, but just just going back to Aston Martin and, and Alonso, it's just like, oh, it's just it's going to be interesting next year because, I, do, do you think this is all part of El Plan or, or or what? You know, it's like you know, last year he was, uh, oh, sorry, not last year, but you mentioned about you know the Honda, you know, the McLaren Honda era when when Alonso was shouting GP two engine yeah, GP two. Yeah. You know, you know, and he's just, you know, I, I think that's partly why he left in 2018 because he was just fed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, you know, he went to go and try and win into car, didn't, and then it's and then it's come back to F1. Um, it's just, oh god, it's just, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be an absolute spectacle. Yeah. Because it went, oh my god, in my Alonso and Lawrence Stroll butting heads. Oh, that's going to be epic. That's gonna oh, be when absolute... the media, the media oh, thing feels like to be... survive, they're going to be yeah. sitting there just like, come on, man. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be suck. amazing. Yeah, they're going to suck. There's nothing. There's not much that we have seen so far this year from this organization, the Silverstone team, that makes you think that they're going anywhere. If they were going to yeah. get rid of Lance and put somebody that has talent in that car, maybe. Fernando Alonso is just holding on for dear life because he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's old. Um, he should just go back, call Toyota, because that's about the only bridge he hasn't burned in motorsports, and go and say, hey, hey, do you need somebody to go and work and we can go and maybe do something in America and IMSA and we'll kind of like dovetail a program so he can go and work his American thing and then he can run Dakar and do all that crap like he did in that special. That's what he yeah, should have done. That that because that was the only time I've ever looked at Fernando Alonso, other than his you know 
prodigious, you know, talent that he has. Yes, he's the guy that slayed Michael Schumacher. You cannot take that away from him. After a guy had won five consecutive world championships, he's the guy that beat him two consecutive years and essentially retired him, albeit it was mainly because Massa was going to lose his ride. But um, the fact is he did that. But everything he did after that for essentially now 15 years has been questionable outside of, you know, one Indy 500 run for Andretti Autosport and then his Toyota run uh, in IMSA and in, or not IMSA, in, in the WEC, Le Mans, and then also in other entities. You think, like, I'd rather the guy go and say, oh, you know what, I just want to try something new. I'm going to get real crazy. I'm going to be a world rally driver. Yeah. You know, like, that would make more sense than him driving around in the back in an Aston Martin. Uh, he just wants to hold on because he hates Lewis so bad that he just wants to see him flame out or something, but he ain't going to flame out. There's a difference between what Lewis's career was. He made one move. He stayed probably a little too long in McLaren because it kind of went away because it's McLaren. They do that sort of thing. They don't know how to make a reliable car. Kimi Raikkonen paid for that. And I say that as Kimi Raikkonen is going to make his NASCAR debut here later this afternoon or this evening in your neck of the woods. Um, He's got a cup debut, um, you know, and they screwed him over. Then Lewis and, and Jensen got screwed over by it. And then after that, you know, McLaren has not been the same team anyway. Uh, he made one move in part because of the late Nicky Lauda, and he convinced him there would be something there. Yeah, and it I has, and it has paid off fruitfully. And literally now, you know, minus what's going on this year, whatever, for for a good part of this year, he made the right move. And in the end, he has changed his perspective and the way he is in a lot of ways, in a lot of avenues relative to what Alonzo is. Because now Alonzo is just driving himself further down the grid. At one time, he was in the best car. Then he was at Ferrari. Then he's back at Renault, which is middle of the road or whatever, however many different iterations they've been. Then he went back to McLaren which had gotten down to where that team is. And now you're at freaking Stroll F1. Yeah, That's how you're going to end your career. Like, you're just either holding on for dear life, you're getting a really, really good paycheck, or you just want something bad to happen to somebody, and you're just an asshole. I don't understand what the end game is with that, but, you know, whatever. It's it's Fernando Alonso. He's the he's the biggest genius in the room in his own mind, so whatever. Yeah, you, should, yeah. you, you know, I'm... I'm just... I think I think sports cars are close cockpit better for Alonso because he can fit himself in the driver's seat and his ego in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. you know, yeah. So he's a yeah. He's a yeah. He's just, uh, I I don't know, mate. He's just yeah. yeah he's and just all the a, and a all the bad. gas he 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 puts out of his asshole, he can use as recharging for the brake system too. For the yeah. for the, the like MGUH. He, he, he'd be great in a hydrogen powered series. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he's a. Uh, yeah, he's uh maybe he's playing bingo to see how many teams he can actually race for. Uh, yeah, because he's a uh, he, he must be at about more or less half the grid by now. Um, three, it's he's it's done. Gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna two be two stints teams. at McLaren. He's done three stints at at the the Silverstone LP. team. He's done or with the, or the Endstone team. He's done now. He's doing the Silverstone team and, and Ferrari. He's on Ferrari. Yeah. 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 So is it Alpha next? I guess it's Alpha. It's Alpha Audi because they're going to go to Audi supposedly. Yeah. And then um or or it's going to be Williams. That's that's literally yeah, a part. It's not it's not going to be Williams, but if he yeah. so it's cuz he's just like well he's not going to go he's not going to go back to McLaren. Um because I think he he probably burned a lot of bridges. I, I mean Zach Brown likes him, but 
No, Piastri's going to go to uh, McLaren. They won't um, have a seat. No, they, they won't have a seat. I never thought I'd see the day where he'd burn his bridges with um, Renault, but there's Alonso. We shouldn't be yeah. surprised. Um, he's not going back to Ferrari because he, he burned his bridges there. Uh, yeah, you, you know, he's, uh, he's not going to go to Mercedes because Hamilton's there. If yeah, Andretti the, the, comes in, maybe. Because, but then that's an Alpine. That's a Renault power. No, unit, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And 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 will will Alpine say really say, oh, we're happy to have Alonso in one of in one of our power cars? No, they're taking time to get fucked. Yeah, you know, you know they're, they're they're not going to want him there because if he starts shouting GP two engine, GP two engine again, or yeah, imagine if we start shouting GP three engine, GP three engine. You know, they'll be they'll be absolutely furious. Yeah. So no. So I, I I don't know. Um. To be honest, I don't really care about Aston Martin when they came in Chapman. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I I like them. But Stroll's a twat. His dad's a twat. Yeah. Alonso is a bit of a. I I part of me likes Alonso. Another part of me thinks I'm oh, just getting a bin. Um. Yeah. You know, you know, he's just he's just very arrogant. I'm just looking forward to the spectacle of when it all blows up. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's I. It, we need to start like we have time between now and start of next year. But I think part of the predictions we have to make on the grid talk side is how long does it take before Alonzo, the Alonzo Lauren Stroll relationship implodes um, next yeah. year. Is it Miami? I think it's Miami. I, 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 th- I think it's preseason. Um, honestly, I think I he holds out till Miami and he'll, him and Lawrence will be fighting on the fake Marina. Um, yeah. When after qualifying. Sit- yeah. When Alonzo's sitting there in his deck chair, like he likes to do. Yeah. All right. So let's, <laughs> yeah. So let's, okay. let's move up the grid a bit. We'll move up the grid because it was a reference to um, Lance Stroll, but it went into um, insulting Alonzo, which makes me happy. Um, Zhou Guan Yu, uh, the rookie driver for the Alpha Sauber team, um, a lot of questions about him, uh, his validity of being in Formula One, part of the Alpine driver development program, had one in GP and F2, and, but he has a lot of money but it hasn't exactly worked out to where they've gotten as much money as I wanted from the, from China, China. Um, but uh, in the sense of Joe as a driver, of course, he had the serious accident that um, uh, Silverstone, so, so. which thankfully he got out um, alive and the halo and all the other great safety measures that formula one has brought up that team they used to be the BMW team. They had Mercedes support. They've had lots of things. Red Bull is what Red Bull started their Formula yeah, about 1993, One journey in 1995, actually, or 96. Okay. Uh, 93 through 95, they were still the Mercedes um, junior um, effort. They had black cars with just the Mercedes, Ilmore engines. Um, Carl Venlinger drove with J.J. Leto in 93, and then it was right. Carl Venlinger with um, Heinz Harold Frensen, and then um, Venlinger got hurt seriously at Monaco, but came back. Um, his best days were really with the Viper program, so that was I, I was grateful to Carl Venlinger. He was able to come back and, and re- recover, but he did great work for Dodge Vipers here in America and in, in Europe. But back in those days, I mean, Sauber's had this long history. They got the BMW deal. Um, Robert Kubica won a race there. But ever since then, it's kind of been weird. It's been a weird decade and a half for them uh, in yeah. Formula One. Checo Perez came in there, did some work for like a year or two or whatever when he first entered F1 when he was considered a ride buyer. But, I mean, 
I mean, their identity, what is their, I mean, their identities are eighth place. They're weird, yeah. yeah. You know, they, they were, for quite a while, there's been a sort of like Ferrari junior team, because obviously yeah. Leclerc was there. But they mm-hmm. also had a long time when they were, they were the National Swedish Bank of F1, because they had Marcus Ericsson in that Ericsson. seat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and it was it was actually Sauber that cost Man of their place in F1 because it was up until Brazil. Because side note, again, it's just how weird my brain is. Pascal Wehrlein, Bianca, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, twenty sixteen, um, Mana were plum last in in the constructors, and they scored a point at um, the Red Bull ring with Pascal Wehrlein. He finished tenth because mm. he'd won a sports car series, and so he knew the chart on the back of his hand. And then Felipe Nasser, not Massa, Felipe Nasser, um, scored two points at that rain-soaked Brazilian Grand Prix in 2016, which then bumped Mana out. So that's yeah. uh, I've 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 never I've never really liked Sauber um, because of that because I quite liked Mana. Um, they were sort of like the plucky underdogs. Yeah, um, they were the only ones that made it. They they were the only ones that they were the last man standing of all those teams that tried to no, come in. It's sort of like 2010, 2012, yeah. whenever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So Salva Alfa Romeo, whatever you want to call them, we'll probably call them Audi next year. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're a weird entity, you know, you know, because obviously, you know, it's odd because Sauber historically have backed Mercedes and you know, used Ilmore powertrain, and you know, which has obviously become Mercedes hyper, you know, Mercedes AMG high performance, whatever they're called, up in yeah, up in Brixworth, which mm-hmm. is a place, you know, I've, uh, which is up in Northamptonshire. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, they're an odd one that, that they're now a they're a Swiss based Italian backed team, and it's just like that's so backwards mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I don't i don't quite know how 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 that all works but it does work um yeah, yeah their their form directly correlates to how well that ferrari are doing um mainly due to the engine so 2018 they were pretty decent you know i remember um Charles having some decent results and ericsson had a couple of okay results but couldn't keep his seat and in 2019 um Kimi and Giovinazzi were doing all right. Well, you know, Giovinazzi was doing Giovinazzi things. Yeah. Um, but they were doing all right. Then 2020, they were awful. In 2021, they were getting a bit better, but they still weren't that good. And then actually Kimi retired. And then this year, they've been they've been decent. Um, for, yeah, Shogun yeah, Yu's an interesting one because I, I, was, I was very skeptical when he came in because I thought, oh, pay driver, blah, blah, blah. A bit, a bit like this, if you, nice guy. Had a couple of all right results in Formula Two. Never really looked to be challenging for the championship and was in yeah. F2 for a few years. Um, he's had a couple of podiums. I think Joe had a couple of wins in F2, but when he started hearing his name mentioned, it was like, well, you know, it's going to come with money. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, know, you know, it obviously has come with money. I think if you look at his results this year on paper, they don't reflect the season he's had mm-hmm. because. Reliability has cost him a lot. It cost him in Baku, obviously. You know, he was in a he's in a fairly decent position in Silverstone before he had that horror crash. Um, he's yeah, he's had three or four races where he could have quite easily scored points, but hasn't been able to because his his car shit the bed, or you know, you know, or 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 specifically his engine has shit the bed. Mm-hmm. You know that that Ferrari powertrain. Um, you know, so it's a 
I don't think it's an accurate representation of his season. I think he's a decent. He's not going to challenge for the championship. Mm-hmm. He's he's not the caliber of Charles, of Max, of Lewis. You know the the, the sort of like upper echelons of F one. He's not that level. He's not that good. But he'll be good enough for sort of like some seasons in the midfield. You know he'll. Yeah, I probably compare him to sort of like a sort of like Nick Heidfeld type. Yeah. Type, type level. Um, a little lower, and, I would say, because Nick Heidfeld did have a very nice lower um, formula career. Yeah. And he is a Lamar winner, too. Yeah. True. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a bit lower than a Nick Heidfeld. But, you know, someone who could sort of like spend, spend a while in the midfield and have some decent results, but ultimately won't be remembered for anything spectacular. Mm-hmm. He might, he, you know, he might get like the odd podium here or there in his career, but. I don't think he's going to exactly be shitting rainbows. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you look at the list. I was just, while you were going over, you know, Sauber and going over Guan Yu, I mean, the list of drivers that have driven for this team has become pretty long over the years, especially, um, you know, with all the all the different things. I mean, you got, I, I mentioned Venlinger and, and Frensen and um, J.J. Leto, which they have missing here. I don't know how they have him missing. Uh, but, you know, you have the likes of, of course, Checo Perez ran for them. Uh, Robert Kubica, Felipe Massa made his debut for them. Kimi Raikkonen, another reference to Kimi today. That's twice. Um, Heidfeld, Vettel made his Formula One debut because he was a BMW junior driver for them at Indianapolis at the U.S. Grand Prix, scored points in his first race. Um, in in, uh, in uh, relief of Kubica after he had his massive crash at the Canadian Grand Prix um, the year after he won it. Um, you know, the Kamui Kobayashi was loved by so many because of how aggressive he is. He's essentially like him and you know, Takuma Sato are like bro- have to be brothers or something. Um, Leclerc, Eclair, um, Verline, who's made a name for himself in Formula E, Gutierrez, who's disappeared from planet Earth. Along, I mean, Giovinazzi was dead last in Formula E, so that was pretty pathetic. Um, Ericsson has done well for himself now in IndyCar. Nazar has become a great sports car race. Kobayashi, of course, is with Toyota, so he's done well for himself. De La Rosa has had a long career um, working for a lot of teams. McLaren um, as a test driver, most famously. Sean Alacy ended uh, one of his last of teams he, did, he drove. Yeah. Sean Alacy, one of the last teams he drove for was Sauber. Um, great Johnny Herbert, who now works for Sky. Um, one of his last teams he drove for was Sauber. Um, and then Shaq Villeneuve in 2006 drove for them in his final, I think, final Formula 1 season. Uh, so, I mean, they've had a lot of drivers there. I mean, be remiss. I think since it's taken this constructor's tone, I kind of figure we'll change it. So um, Valtteri Bottas is kind of in a rebuilding mode after all these years at Mercedes, people thinking that he was not. I mean, there's plenty of people who said that he still had talent and he was being held back. People saying, oh, they give Lewis everything, um, which is interesting. Um, but, you know, I think Valtteri Botas has had a couple of good years there at Mercedes. He did his job. They won all those constructors championships. He won races. Could he have been better? Sure. Was he an elite? Is he an elite level driver? Is he that world championship level like you talked about, Tom? No. But he's the next level. And the point is he's back in a small team. He's the lead dog. He's happy in life outside of Formula One. He's happy with 
things with this team. They don't really have anything going on. I don't think they're going to get rid of this driver combination for a while unless something major comes along. Um, Botas has done a good enough job. He's had the same kind of issues Joe has had with the issues with the, um, you know, um, the engine. And I think that's part of why they, they are not as far up. I mean, the fact is they're sixth. Considering last year they were ninth in the Constructors' Championship, uh, to be sixth this year, they did a good job with the car. They have a solid driver lineup. That's all you can really ask for. It's something that Williams has to aspire to, you know, to try to be that. Um, Aston Martin is another one, to be fair, for the amount of money they have invested in it. To be 31 points behind Alfa Romeo through the first part of the season uh, is pretty pretty bleak. Um, we'll change it over since it's gotten a constructor's tone. I mentioned the Red Bull guys and mentioned Vettel. We mentioned some of them. Uh what is a Yuki Sonoda is an interesting character, Tom. Uh, he's very aggressive, goes with the whole Japanese uh, kind of character in that sense in recent drivers, but it hasn't really netted many results. Last year, he was very rough around the edges, but they had a much better car. Gasly always seemed to be that guy that would be the best first of the rest kind of thing, qualify really well. This year, they've completely fucked up the car. They're not good even though they still have the same power unit as the team that's going to win the constructors championship, they just seem like they're in a different level. They're like in a different planet. Uh, and it's hard to imagine if you're that far off now, where, how long is it going to take you to get back to relevance with the way the, the, uh, uh, formula is right now i I mean gasly is a driver that honestly has proven he belongs in formula one i think he got railroaded by red bull a hundred percent he did and and he should have the point is they don't they just want a domestique they just want somebody to lay over will get good but they want somebody that'll get points regularly and get top fives qualify top five and gasly was that guy and who knows maybe that means checo perez doesn't exist in formula one anywhere but you know that's what they needed to do to justify their program, but they didn't. Now they have a guy that they bought out from outside who's driven for um, two or three organizations, and now he's become the loyal domestique. And the Red Bull driver development program is kind of in a glut because where are you going to put people? You have Yuki Sonoda because you have a Honda engine, no matter what they rebadge it, it's still Honda. And they have another Japanese driver in Iwasa sitting there. They have the same problem in with Honda and MotoGP with Japanese riders and having an issue with seats. So it's kind of interesting how that works out. But Yuki, you won. I mean, he's going to be back next year, but I think time it's, it's time. He needs to, he's got a year and a half to, to keep a seat or else he's going the realm of, you know, sports cars, Formula E, et cetera, et cetera. Sonoda wouldn't be an F1 if he wasn't, if Honda weren't, hadn't been Red Bull backers at the time. Yeah. If I'm being honest, um, he, uh, yeah, he, he was he was he was brought in to appease Honda, um, and you know he, he had a decent junior career. He didn't win F two, mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, he he still came in, and he he needed. I think I said this last year. When I find, I know I said this last year. He needed another season in F two GP two, whatever you call it, um, to you know to just develop more mm-hmm. and. Alpha Tauri shit the bed by letting Danny Kvyat go because he was really turning into something at the end of 2020. And I think 
if uh, if Alvatari would have continued into 2021 with Gazi and Kvyat, um, Alvatari would would have been a really would have been an even better team. I know Sonoda got better, but you know with 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 the, the one eyed Sith Lords in charge of that program. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I'm a rebel fan. I don't like Helmut Marco because he screws with drivers, and he, you know, he, he sees him as a sort of, you know, he sees him as something which he can just chuck out with the recycling on a Thursday. It's like, mate, that's not how it works. Um, and it's come back to bite Red Bull because they burn through so many drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's just like, you know, I get that being in that second Red Bull seat next to Max is going to be a hot seat, and you know, it's going to be the pressure is going to be relentless. Um, but it didn't work, you know. That's why Danny Rick left. That's why it didn't work for Gassi. That's why it didn't work for Alban. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you know, they dropped him to get to give Max a chance. Um, I think it's safe to say it worked out. It worked. Um, out, yeah, but but you know, you know, they 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 burn so many bridges with drivers that they didn't have room for anybody. And then when they suddenly realised, oh shit, we need a driver, they only had people in F two who weren't ready. You know, because. They had the likes of Yuri Vips, who's been who's been booted out of the team for being a racist prick. Um, they had oh, yeah, yeah, you know, they've got Johan Daruvalo, who's been in Formula Two for a couple of years. They've got Liam Lawson on the books. Um, you, you know, now they're getting more and more talent coming through. But they had a couple of sort of barren years from like 2018, 2019 to last year, where it's like, shit, we haven't got anybody coming through. Whereas when you looked at Ferrari, they were tripping over drivers. Yep. And you looked at Mercedes, you know, they didn't have room for Ocon and, and Verline. Ocon got released into Alpine and Verline's just, you know, he's not in F1. Mm-hmm. You know, he spent 2017 at Salzburg because I was the only CC he could get. Um, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, um, yeah, so that Alpha, Alpha Tower, you've, it's kind of a team where you've got to be able to hit the ground running. And, you know, Gas has been there a long time now. You know, he's going to be there next year. Mm-hmm. He needs to move because he's not getting back into that Red Bull. Yeah, you, 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 they're not going to give him the seat. Um, so he needs to stop hoping that he's going to get it. Paris has got a two-year deal now, up until the end of twenty twenty-four. So you know, are they really going to put anybody else? You know, are they really going to move Perez when he's doing exactly what they need of him? Exactly. Um, you know, it's just. You know, the, the, you know, Red Bull, and it, you know, we'll talk about the Model One if you want. But you know, Red Bull and AlphaTauri, whatever they're called these days, they they're going to be stuck now for a couple of years because they mm-hmm. got Max, they got Max who's the driver, Perez who is a good deputy, picks up points, holds off, you know, holds off, you know, signs or um, you know, you know, obviously it was Hamilton last year and you know Bottas last year and um Leclerc this year and you know anybody else who might be coming charging through um to give Max a big buffer um all all the rest of it which is you know they tried having no one and two driver and it didn't work mm-hmm. you know so so even if they weren't admitted there is a hierarchy there and there needs to be um you know we we saw it at Mercedes in 2016 when they didn't have a hierarchy and look how that turned out then yeah. when Bottas came they had a hierarchy. Ferrari have always had a hierarchy, even even if they won't say they have at the moment, they have. It's obvious. And mm-hmm. for, for the top team for the top teams to work, they need it. Mm-hmm. So it's uh you know, so so for for, for Red Bull and Alpha Towery, I think over the next few years they're gonna be stuck in this kind of not loop, but they're gonna have more and more drivers coming through the bottom who are trying to get their way to the top. Yeah. But it's gonna be like trying to force people into a train. That train's getting full. 
mm-hmm. and then they're going to run out. Of, well, you know, they run out of seats anyway. Sonoda's seat will free up, I think, by the end of 2023, if not end of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps someone like you know, perhaps Liam Lawson might move up. I think Gasly will move by the end of 2023. Well, in fact, he has to, because what's he yeah. going to do? Yeah, be the Red Bull bitch his entire career. No, that yeah, ain't going to work. Yeah, it's not going to do him any good. Um, so it's you know, so I, I reckon he should say to Hamlet, "Oh, fuck you, but I'm off," and then go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that that's yeah, that whole dynamic. It's uh, that's part of the problem with having so many people coming through, especially as Formula One drivers get younger and younger, they move to the top quicker and quicker, and they're in the sport longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know, to, we, we've run out of room. Yeah, and and it's it's like I I decided uh, while you were going waxing poetic about the Red Bull driver development program to go and look at the Red Bull driver development program and my goodness how many drivers they've had in it they have four drivers in Formula Two as I mentioned Awasa Lawson Hauger Deruvula all in uh, Formula Two I think uh, Lawson and Deruvula are teammates or I might be mistaking who are they with but um, then you have in Formula Three the American Jack Crawford Johnny Edgar um, from the UK and then uh, Isaac Hadjar, the French driver. And then they have three drivers in Formula 4, two Japanese, and Noel Lyon, a uh, Mexican driver, and then Arvin Lindblad, a uh, British driver in go-karting. And then I was going through all these drivers. They also have Jack Dewin, um, who had oh, just course, left the yeah. program. Uh, just left the program uh, to go um, to, I think, Carlin. Um, Pato, they, it's funny looking at his, this list. It's ridiculous, crazy list. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's funny. You can go through all the like, okay, Pato or Lucas Hours and DTM. Never heard Harry Thompson or Neil Verhagen. Richard Vashore has been in Formula 2, Formula 3. Sergio Sete Camara, who's in Formula E. I don't know who that guy is. He was one of He... Nico Kari, Lucas Leeds, oh, Lewis Leeds. I've never heard of either of them. Dean Stoneman, I've seen him in sports cars. Callum Eilat, of course, is an Indy car. Gasly is still in Formula One. Alex Lind in Formula E. Young Carlos Sainz Jr., my goodness. Uh, that is a salad. Um, for stop in, Betske Visser was a. Oh, yeah. Tom Blumquist, who's a sports car D, uh, DTM guy. Kvyat, who is also running in the race this later this afternoon at Watkins Glen. Callan O'Keefe, Antonio Felix da Costa, Lewis Williamson, Stefan Wackenbauer. That's a good name. Alex Albon, Ricardo, Sean Eric Verne, Formula E world champion twice. Brendan Hartley, um, Toyota sports Don't car you. driver. Um, Robert Wickens, um, who thankfully is um, now driving again and uh, winning races for Hyundai in uh, the TCR category. Mirko Bortolotti. Um, who's a BMW guy, I think. And, um, Mikhail Aloshin, who used to ran, run an IndyCar. Mika Maki. Jaime Alguasari, that's a good one. Daniel Yunkandela, who drove for Mercedes in DTM. Uh, John Edwards, who's still here in America running sports cars. Karun Chandok. Um, and and uh, uh, what do you call? Um, I'm, I'm blanking, but I'm going to scroll down the ring. Carthacan was also a Red Bull dr- development driver. Tom Dillman. Stefano mm-hmm. Coletti went to IndyCars, Buemi, Formula E World Champion, J.K. Vernet, who went to IndyCar and Indy Lights and didn't get a ride. Never heard of that guy or that guy. Vettel, yeah, we've heard of him. Um, Oaks, Arm Ammuller, he looks like a guy who would be like a, a killer in some sort of T 
TV um, action movie. Uh, Philippe Albuquerque, who of course is here in America running for um, Acura. Um, never seen either of those guys. Neil Yanni, uh, uh, who didn't get to Formula One, but has been in sports cars. Uh, Philip Bang, being big time driver for BMW. Martin Ragen, Ragenger, Ragen, yeah, whatever his name is. Um, Colin Fleming. Uh, Scott Speed, of course, has had quite a career. Um, Mamo Rojas uh, drove uh, here in America in sports cars. Matt Jaskell, had a, he's a great go-kart guy. Arthur Kean Liuzzi, going way back. Norbert Seidler, isn't he like a isn't he like a prince team principal now these days? Norbert Seidler, he's something. I'm not really sure. Yeah, Matthias Lauda, okay. Uh, Christian Clean. That one was a good one. Him and him and uh, Liuzzi were the ones swapping that second r- r- ride. Frysacker, Paul Edwards, the American. My God, Jesus! Good job, one-eyed Marco. I mean, he's I, he has fed the Formula E and sports car categories with plenty of great drivers. Uh, but how many of them have actually made it and done anything of great significance? You could basically name three. That's that's literally what it is. It's Vettel, it's Verstappen, and it's Ricardo. So that's it. Good job there, uh, Marco. You really are worth all those energy drinks, you cocksucker. Um, uh, speaking of a team that used to be at the bottom end but has made a recovery this year is the American team, Haas, Haas, um, as other people might say. Um, Kevin Magnuson got signed like two days before testing and has jumped into that car and done a really good job. Mick Schumacher in his second year, as per his usual um, his usual uh, elevator, he goes and starts figuring it out. They've scored some good points, but they're a very inconsistent team. That's always been the case, no matter what, from the beginning, I think, for Haas F1. But, I mean, for where they were last year, being the absolute worst with that with that um, knobhead, cocksucker, um, egghead, douchebag, loser. Oh, um, with his, with his, with his dad as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Considering where they were and where they are now, it's a lot more positive for sure. Um, and Kevin Magnuson is happy. They have a good energy there. Do they have a long-term significance? I don't know. Uh, Ferrari does support them in a lot of ways. So I think in that sense, they're going to kind of have relevance. But I wonder about Gene Haas's um, long-term um, commitment to this. Because how many years they've been in this series and they've never really been better than what fourth or fifth in the constructors championship. And he's not going to put the kind of money he wasn't. It looks like he's not willing to put the kind of money to get Kyle Busch in one of his cup cars, uh, like he was willing to do with his older brother uh, many years ago, which would be a game changer for that organization and for Ford. Um, I think similarly, I don't think he's willing to put in the money uh, to really take that that massive step that would be necessary to really move up into the higher echelon um, and battle those big three teams. I, I mean, maybe it's just not feasible anyway, but for what they are, I guess that's a good thing, right? I, I mean, I, I guess that's where we're at with, with Haas. Considering where they were a year ago, we're in a good place. Oh, yeah, mate, I'll, I'll say... You know, if you think, think about my house where this time last year, um, you know, with Massapin Senior basically convinced that uh, Schumacher had had a better chassis than, than his son and threatened to pull his money. No, mate, your son is just a bit of a shit driver. Yeah. Couldn't hack it in F1. That's what it was. Um, and you can throw all the temper tantrums you want. It won't, you know, you can't fix stupid. Yeah. And, 
and, and you know you can you can take a shit and you can roll it in chocolate sprinkles and hundreds and thousands it's still a shit and that's what mm-hmm. masturbating was mm-hmm. um so that's one of the best things that could have ever happened to that scene was was getting rid of that parasite and he's absolutely bell end of a father you know they were just you know they were as bad as each other and you know they just they're just not nice people and you know they were just they're just horrible but they're gone and they yeah. and they got they got K-Mac back and the team is going from strength to strength you know Schumacher's being mentored by Vettel like his dad did to Vettel sort of 10 15 years ago um and uh and yeah it's just uh yeah it's just just nice to see that the team of sort of you know that's what like getting back up there um you see you know I I I think for them this year perhaps they haven't had the results they would have liked especially given sort of how strong the start to the season was you know they've had they've had some big reliability issues again with the Ferrari powertrain and everything um you know so uh you know so that they've yeah they've 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 had a very up and down season but the pace is there it Mm -hmm. seems it's everybody just looks happy at Haas you know Gunter Steiner looks happy because he hasn't got the threat of a Russian oligarch hanging over his head. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he hasn't got he hasn't got an absolute spunk bucket in the second seat. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's he's got he's got someone who, who can actually drive and someone who he knows and is experienced. Um, you know, he's just uh yeah, it's uh, it's, it's just nice to see them doing well again, man. Because I I quite like Haas. I liked them when they came yeah. in. I like what I like what they were about. Um and then obviously the whole rich energy thing sapped them. And then you know, by the time they got to 2021, they were, I think they were on the brink of leaving F1. And I think if it wouldn't have worked out for them this year, they'd be out. They'd, I think Gene Haas would have pulled the plug. Yeah. They, they're the way that this team has gone, the way that it's kind of gone downhill, the rich energy thing with like bad sponsorship decisions and bad driver decisions is akin to what Gene Haas did here in, in, in the U.S. with his NASCAR program. He started small at a, what is, you know, a, a now Xfinity series, which is like AAA, which is like Formula 2 program. And then he decided he wanted to go to the Cup Series, and he started with one car in 2003 with the old Net Zero internet company. Um, and they grew as years, when he started with one car, ran for three years in the Cup Series, had Hendrick support, kind of like he has Ferrari support, and then built the two cars, but then their cars were terrible. And they were so bad. And then, of course, Gene Haas went and did time for um, tax evasion and crap. Um, which, which, uh, uh, which um, allowed um, Chevrolet and Hendrick Motorsports to make an offer to one Anthony Wayne Stewart that he couldn't refuse, which is 51% ownership for zero investment of a NASCAR team. He could bring all of his people he wanted, get sponsorship and do all that. And what is now Stuart Haas Racing exists today. And now they're with Ford and all that. Um, the point I'm trying to make is Gene Haas basically had a, a team that was going to get run into the ground and had nothing, had no value. They were a bottom end team. That's essentially where they were. As Tom was saying, they were they were done. Um, even with the Concord agreement, I'm sure he'd had to pay. He could have paid the money out to not be around, uh, but they weren't going to be around. But now they will be. What that means, we'll see what the upgrades they bring uh, at uh, Spa this coming weekend, if uh, the car will be able to compete, depending on certain circuits as we get into the last, what, nine races of the season. Um, They're a very hit or miss, like a lot of race teams this year, hit or miss based on circuits. So who knows what they'll be. But 
the positive energy there is a good sign. American energy is good with American drivers that have some potential there in Formula 2 and Formula 3. There is still the specter of that um, option happening, even though they're not in the Ferrari junior program. Uh, I think Kevin Magnuson will be able to kind of call his own shot, though, because he's a good dude. And um, he's a steadying force to an organization that needed it. Mick Schumacher um, now losing his mentor um, in Vettel leaving the sport, uh, which is something we'll go over probably as the year, rest of the year goes on. Um, probably is a depressing thing for him. Hopefully, um, Kevin and him keep on building their relationship, and he can under he can kind of look at him as a mentor as well because Kevin had to drive under his dad is a great sports car racer who also struggled in Formula One for a period of time in his life when he younger got hurried up very young to Formula One and maybe not didn't get the greatest shake and then made a legendary sports car career. So maybe they can get on in that sense. Um, yeah, so now we've went over, I think we went over the top, the bottom five teams. So let's get into Daniel Ricardo. Um, right now, for all intents and purposes, Daniel Ricardo, who has won multi, uh, double-digit Grand Prix in Formula One, did win McLaren's last Formula One race at the mm-hmm. Italian Grand Prix last year. Um, is not going to be in Formula One next year. Um, he's, had a, he's had a great, he's had a good career. It hasn't really worked out at McLaren uh, for whatever reason. And uh, it's, it's depressing in one end, but on the other end, it's like, it's kind of in the same realm as we talked about Alonzo's career decisions. Um, yes, the decision to leave Red Bull was the right one because he was never going to be the number one driver there no. with Max there. Now going to Renault, they were building something. And Alpine has shown to a point that they're decent. They might be that next team behind the top three teams in Formula One, uh, essentially. But he decided he was going to make a lateral, essentially a lateral move to McLaren, who then, of course, got Mercedes power units again. But what he didn't realize was McLaren is building their organization around Lando Norris. Now, is it because of that is it because maybe Danny is not in the same mind space as he used to be? Like, what? How do we explain this like drop off in productivity to the point where now he's in? There's this whole controversy about him being replaced by the next great Australian um, driver uh, in Oscar Piastri, and or staring at the possibility of um, going right back to Alpine maybe uh, next year. Uh... Honestly, it's because he has struggled to adapt to the cars that he's moved to. So he got very used to how the Red Bull was set up when he was there four years. You know, he got very used to how the braking system was on the rest of it. And that that's a big thing. You, the big thing with Danny Rick, we always saw him as king of the late breakers. Um, but he just, he, he just, he, he just, he just hasn't adapted. And he was too used to what he had and he couldn't, he couldn't. He, he couldn't move with the times, basically. You know, you know, because cars change, and you know, they change throughout the years, and you know, going to a different team, different environment, different expectations, all the rest of it. It didn't work out, and then when he announced he was going to McLaren, you know, there were rumours about him going to McLaren before he went to Alpine. Um, you know, because Zach, Zach Brown does like him. He obviously sees him as a sort of like marketing ploy, basically. Um, he's a nice guy, you know, people like Danny Rick, but he's a, there are only so many seats in that front and he's not young, you know, he's in his thirties. 
Um, you know, he's he's what 34, I think, 33, 34, maybe a bit younger than that. Um, he's been in F1 for 10 years now, and I don't, I don't even I, I don't even think he's run one races in the double digits. I think I think he won seven at yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I think he won seven at Red Bull and then he won one with McLaren. Um, I could be mistaken, um, but but you know he's just a you know he's just he's just he's just he's just not he's just not yeah it's eight hype. my fault he has eight wins yeah I, I I thought so you know because it seems like not very much given how long he was at Red Bull um, and all the rest of it um, and yes I know you know obviously he won for McLaren and Monza and he did well that weekend he's had a, he's had a few weekends where he's done well but he's had so many weekends where he's just been shit and 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 it's just and it's just like you know Lando has been so on the page and so consistent and Danny Rick has just been just been slow and just off the pace and just 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 you know can't get a lap together can't get to grips with the car and we all hoped that the new regulation change would help him and, and we get settled but no no it hasn't at all it's the same old story yet again and he's just a his time is up. He needs to go. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but I think Zach Brown's hedging on the notion of getting Oscar Piastri, who will have that hunger and that energy and jump right into the car and kind of mate with uh, Lando Norris's energy that he brings to the program. Yeah. And they're all, they're just going to kind of play off of each other. And they both are very young and youthful, and it's going to bring that exuberance that McLaren needs because they're. You know, it's an old school team too. We could get into the history of their their program and all the world champions and all, but they haven't had a world champion since Lewis in 2008. Uh, they've been in position, they've had chances, but not to the same extent as like a Red Bull, Ferrari, or even Mercedes now. Um, they're not the same team anymore. No. And they have a lot of new pieces, a lot of new players, but they, if they were to confirm um, Piastri and they have this program and then they figure out where everybody's going driver wise. Um, they have a program because Lando Norris is solid. I mean, has he had as good of a year this year as he had last year? No, but I, the reality is he's kicking the crap out of his teammate. And um, essentially that's what he's done for two years, a year and a half. So it was more of a balance when it was him and Carlos Sainz, honestly. But I think Lando yeah. maybe was still working on his craft um, but they had a great balance and they had a great relationship. And I think that's what we have to look at. Can Piastri and Norris build that kind of rapport? Kind of, you know, I don't think that, I'm not sure Piastri is a big funny guy, likes joking around. I'm not sure about that. But if they could build that kind of rapport, you saw the potential and where the team was. They kept on rising up and kept on getting better and better. And that's what McLaren needs at this point, because right now they're losing to Alpine, even with Alplan walking out the door and Esteban Ocon, which we'll get into in a sec, that they're generally not as consistent, you know, like they, they're interesting, but, um, you know, I think McLaren should be well ahead of them. Honestly, I think they have the better car, but. Alpine maximizes their performances better. Um, and that's why they're up by four points as we stand with nine races to go in the you know world championship. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Ocon, we can get into uh, because we already talked about El Plan uh, a bunch earlier. Um, Ocon right now is eighth in points. He's ahead of Alonso by uh, what's it called? 
called? Um, 30 points, actually. Or no, not 30 points. Uh, 12 points. Or no, 17. I'm like, God. Can't even see it. These there's all these damn numbers. Um, Norris is seventh. He's thirty points out of um thirty five ahead of Alonso. Uh, but basically. Alpine has done a better job this year. I guess Alonso had mechanical issues. Both cars have had mechanical issues this year, uh, but the, the the Renault power unit has not been as bad this year than it, as it has been maybe in previous years. Yes, they did get that win at the Hungarian Grand Prix last year, the one whatever um, finish they got. Um, but I think Ocon now knows because, you know, Gasly signed back for Alpha Tori that he's not really worried about his seat. So maybe that gives him a little bit more comfort. Uh, you know, now that Piastri isn't going to be in the other seat, I think that also puts him at ease because Piastri could and probably was faster than him. And Alonso leaving means either they're going to bring some other development driver from Formula 2 or they're going to bring Ricardo back. And at that point, is that the best way for this uh, – for uh, this team to be going um, in the future because who knows what the rest of the season is going to bring, Tom. Uh, but I'm not sure. I really am not sure as Esteban Ocon as a lead driver. I, I really do not believe he's a lead driver. He's a solid number two. He's going to make the mistakes of a number two. But and but they need somebody big. And I mean, Alonso's washed up. Whatever. Ricardo looks like he's washed up. Uh, they can't really bring anybody else out of their driver development program, what are they going to do? They're going to go and call Felipe Drogovic randomly and say, hey, you want to be in Formula One? Like, I don't understand what their what their plan is um, for the long term. It, it really, I mean, they're ta- they're talking about, oh, we, we're going to have our new hypercar and we're going to keep some of our dri- development drivers and drive the hypercar. I'm like, you probably want to find one or two guys that can actually compete in Formula One. Since the one guy you had that could compete in Formula One doesn't even want to drive for you. And, and Guan Yu Zhou left your program and Fernando Alonso left your program too. But they're, mate, they're running out of drivers. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've gone from having three drivers for, uh, to go into two seats, having one driver across two seats, yeah. you know, with obviously Piastri going as well. Um, I agree with you about Ocon, though. It's just, you know, he's decent, but he's not, he's not, he just doesn't seem to be like world championship material. And given he won GP3, um, and I think he won GP2, uh, just gonna have a quick look. Um, you know, he's just, uh, he's just sort of like not, not really set, you know, sort of like not really set set the world alight. Um, yeah, he won GP three. Uh, oh, that's right. He then he then went to DTM for twenty sixteen um, when he was reserve driver at Renault, uh, and then he got moved to Mana Racing. Yeah, that's right. He didn't even race in GP two because he was competing against Luca Giotto, someone who sort of fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah, so, so yeah, Ocon, you know, he's just, uh, he's he's been decent and he arguably lucked into that win last year. I'm not going to go over it because it's been over a year. Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, I think there's a reason that Mercedes didn't really sort of like keep tabs on him in the same way that they did keep tabs on George Russell uh-huh. um, because he's just not the same caliber. Exactly. So, yeah, Ocon's, Ocon's a sort of interesting one. I think he's just there to appease the French public because he's a French yeah. driver in a French back team. And, and Renault is owned. Is, but there's Stellantis owned, owned still, by, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah they're, they're owned by the people. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a. Uh, 
So yeah, so I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens with Alpine. Um, yeah, I, I don't really care for them if I'm honest. It doesn't really matter to me either, unless they were to get somebody that would be a little bit more interesting. I don't. I mean, I I love Daniel Ricciardo. He's but I it, he's done, and that's that's not going to work really. It's not a long term solution, and uh, it really defeats the purpose, you know, of what they have because of eighty four different driver development people. You know, I, like now I now I'm curious because I went and read off the out I ran off the Red Bull uh, people, so now I'm I'm curious about their academy. Uh, yeah, they've they've had a lot come through, and um. You know, it, it, again, sort of people have sort of like come and gone. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, the position, you know, they've uh, I say bring back Julian Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that would be the thing, that would be it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, so, um, so what is it? So we're it's gone, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, I'm used to doing longer form things, so I guess we get off and I get off on tangents that way. That's kind of how the GSP works, unfortunately. Yeah, doing Ollie Caldwell, Kyle Collette, Victor Martens, and then Alpine affiliate. I've never even heard of three of those. Abby pulling the woman, the W Series driver. Okay, yeah, so they don't really have anybody um, right now uh, that could do anything. I think Martens might be the one that has a chance, but he's a couple of years away. Uh, we went over fifth and fourth in the constructors. So Ferrari, uh, best car for parts of this year. I think the driver uh drivers have both shown great pace one lap pace in qualifying uh but they've made their own errors uh in this situation i mean they're still second in the constructors and they're second in the world uh championship and all that but i mean the, the whole ferrari is 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 a vibe and it's a vibe that is very depressing and very disturbing uh, because Charles Leclerc is sitting there, uh, past three wins, but really there should be more. Uh, Carlos Sainz got his maiden Formula One win. He has more podiums than uh, Charles Leclerc, but my goodness, Ferrari has figured out a way, and that's essentially been the thing ever since uh, ever since 2007 when they were still the big pieces of you know Schumacher's Ferrari were still there, and they won that World Championship because McLaren fucked it up. Um, it's Maybe. kind of not been the way for Ferrari, and it's been going on for 15 years. Ferrari don't know how to win. Yeah. That's the issue. You know, they've uh, we've seen it time and time and time again with them this season. It's like, why in the name of fuck do they put Leclerc out on the heart in Hungary? It's yeah. like they saw Alpine went out on them, and they were massively struggling for pace. Max was coming through on softs. And was and and a his tires weren't burning up that much, and b he was holding really good pace. So why the hell did they pit um, Leclerc and put him on hard and actually leave him out to dry? It yeah. says a lot that Max was able to overtake him, spin, get past, catch him, and and overtake him again. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, it's just. The, 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 I mean, I'm not even going to go into the strategy. Because yeah. it, it's just it's its walk, own episode. <laughs> yeah, mate, it, it's, it's a walking <laughs> meme by this point. Yeah. It's just like, how can it seem so big and have so much history get it so wrong? All it's the just, time. Yeah, all the time. It's not just once. It's again and again and again. It's like when they were trying to bring in um, signs to pit him when he was battling wheels with Perez in France, you, you know, and then and yeah. then they were also saying to him, in, saying to signs in Silverstone that you've got to leave 10 car lanes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and and and, and Simon said, "Stop inventing, stop inventing." It's just yeah. like it's just I just don't get how you can get it so wrong. It's it's sad, really. Um, yeah, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on the back end of the grid, but we probably should have spent most. <laughs> it's part of why I probably needed an outline. We'll do it next time. But uh, the this Ferrari team, they're gonna wonder at the end of this year. Because I honestly believe the next team we're going to talk about is going to overtake them in the Constructors' Championship by the end of this year. Um, because they're on the upswing, their strategy seems to be on point, and um, their pace is starting to get better. And I think, to be honest, I think level-wise in terms of drivers, they're right there, if not better, overall. And Ferrari, what is Ferrari going to say when they after you had the dominant car at the first race of the year, and there's been moments this year where they've had the best car, and you're going to finish third in a constructors' championship. That is unacceptable for the amount of money they put into Formula One. Um, they'll come up with other excuses. There'll be all kinds of excuses. They'll say, "Oh, we have a hypercar program. We got this. We got that." No, no, no. So fuck this shit up. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what program they got. You know, they've they've just completely fucked up for Leclerc this year. And and, it's, and I'll tell you what else doesn't help with Ferrari, right? Is They've got some of the most passionate, loyal fan base F1 has ever seen, you know, the Tifosi. But if you saw Ferrari on social media, oh, you know, Ferrari's page on social media after Leclerc won at Silverstone, oh my God, people were baiting for their blood. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you know they, they were saying congrats on throwing, throwing away this and that and all the rest of it. Um, you know, it's a, you know, Ferrari, they're just, oh God, they're just, I don't, mate, I just, I just don't get it because it, when you look at, you know, Mercedes, nine times out of ten, absolute strategic masterclass, um, you know, and, and then they would listen to the drivers as well. Okay, yeah, they got it wrong a couple of times. Red Bull, nine times out of ten, you know, it's Hannah Schmitz, I think she's called, who's had their head of strategy. Yeah, nine times out of ten, they absolutely nails the strategy. Look at Hungary, absolutely, yeah. you know, tenth of first, absolute perfection that was. One of Max's best ever races. Russia, Russia last year. Russia last year. They didn't have last the seconds. Yeah, she, she. That's that's the the championship thing, and that's. I think this is where we'll leave it because the fact of the matter is, it's a good. We need to really spend more time talking about these top three because this is where the championship lies, and um, it speaks to where these three teams are at with their level yeah. of strategy and what they're doing and why they are where they are. Um, there's inside stories and all that, and it's more towards what our fandom is too. So what we'll do here is we'll uh, call it off, uh, at least for this episode, this uh, special episode of the F1 uh, um, Uncensored Roundup here. Um, from um, Tom, uh, you can go and let us know everything F1. Uh, you're basically all over the place. So where can we find you and your content? Yeah, um, yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. So we're across social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Not that I have that or ever use it or will ever install it. Because yeah. I don't I don't understand it for a start. Um, yeah, the handles at join the F1 or everything F1, you search for that. Uh, that's the website, everythingf1.com, the YouTube channel, which is getting a revamp, uh, Everything F1, and our, and our Everything F1 podcast, which is on, God, wherever you listen to a podcast, you'll find it, basically. I I, I can't list them all. Um, but yeah, yeah any, anyway, you listen to a podcast, you'll find it. Yeah. And for me, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find my show 
at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter, the Gripstrip Podcast. We're basically anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, my co-host is at JP Huffine. Uh, we talk about motorsports. We talk about all different motorsports all over the world. We talk about NFL football, talk about other sports here in America and over the world since I've become a Premier League guy as well um, on the down low. Uh, so we talk about all kinds of things on the Gripster podcast. It's been fun. We're kind of going off um, uh, going off on uh, tangents on some of the back end of the grid. We probably lost the plot in terms of what we really should have talked about. But I guess it's what we're working on. We're early days here is on this on this project. So as we get along, I think more time uh, to fill in Tom experiment i think we'll have more uh, time and maybe arrange more time to do it so then we can kind of deep dive because both of our history our minds work in weird ways of course and we'll go off on tangents on things that we remember so uh tom thanks for the time i know that you've been a little under the weather so i'm glad that you've been you felt good enough and it's nice to see the decor in your parents house um i'm blocking out my decor even though it's pretty cool um, we went over it on the show earlier, pre-show, um, and we'll be back again shortly, uh, maybe in the next week or two. With it'll, it'll probably, I think it probably wouldn't be a bad idea after that. The next three races on the European swing, because we'll have a little bit more content to work with amongst those three teams that uh, we really need to work on, and maybe we'll have some more information in regards to who's going where in Formula One. So for uh, Tom, I'm Phil. Take care, and we'll see you next time.